Ladies and gentlemen, now hosting the Rizzo cast, put your hands together for Steven Risotto. What is happening, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 68 of RizzoCast. I'm Steven Risotto, along with Jasper Lindsay, as always. And today we are joined by someone who's played in parts of 10 seasons with the Rockies, the Mets, the Braves, the Yankees, and the Angels. He's now a coach for the Tacoma Rainiers AAA affiliate of the Seattle Mariners. It is former big league outfielder Eric Young Jr. EY, what's going on? How you doing? Thanks for coming uh, what's on. What's going on, fellas? Uh, glad to be on. Yeah, well, I guess the the first thing that comes to mind, we're recording this did the uh, the day after the All Star Game. I know you guys played last night, uh, but it just wrapped up at Coors Field in Colorado, a place that uh, you know pretty well. Uh, how much does that mean to the city to hold uh, the All Star Game there this season? I think it was huge. Um, I think they did a great job uh, getting it all developed under short notice. Um, you know, I already know the city is beautiful, especially in the summertime. And then uh, they they built up that Lodo area uh, even more so since I played there. So um, I know it was just great for the city. Uh, they appreciate their baseball. They're great fans. And, uh, you know, I was just happy for them. Yeah, and I mean, most of your time is now spent working your job with the Tacoma Rainers, but do you still get to catch some Major League Baseball and lock in on what's going on with the game? Uh, every now and again, you know, obviously game times are similar, but uh, definitely try to watch uh, the highlights after the game. Uh, during the day, I watch some baseball, especially East Coast games that are being played uh, well before our game. So um, definitely try to keep an eye on it, see what's going on. Uh, always a fan of the game, uh, even though I'm not playing anymore. Uh, still a fan, still a student, still studying, still uh watch as much as i can so you're, you're a quick pitch guy at night uh, i do watch it yep, yep <laughs> that, and, and i, I kind of flip back from sports center and quick pitch so i gotta gotta watch both see if they have different highlights there you go so um you're you're fresh out of the game but you know has anything changed in three years i mean what are some of the biggest trends you've noticed because i know there's a lot to see with launch angle and exit velocity and just the way the game's kind of evolved what have you noticed um as a kind of as the later years of my playing career, uh, the small game was kind of going out. Um, actually, I've seen of late it's starting to you know trend back in. So um, especially now, you know, with more defensive shifts. So uh, small balls now being you know you know coming back because obviously, how do you beat the shift? You know, got to play some small ball to to to, to beat the shift. So um, I think uh, like I said, as I was exit in the game you know the small ball was 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 leaving but I think it's starting to trend back more um now just to get you know more action in the game and uh generate more runs yeah I mean you've been a speed guy your whole career and this is a question that doesn't get asked enough but how hard is it to steal a major league base uh I mean if you're super fast you, you can get away with with just running sometimes obviously um the older I got you know the smarter you had to be with uh knowing who the pitcher is, what his move is, who the catcher is behind the plate, um, how good of an arm he has, um, you know, all the uh, scenarios that could play, play a part, uh, you know, is the hole open for the hitter, different things that could play a part. Is this a great situation for me to steal? Um, you try to try to have all those things, you know, uh, pre-thought before you, you know, actually take, take the, the base. So um, I know a lot, a lot of thought process there in a short period of time pretty much from the point I'm on the base till I lead off, I'm processing all that and 
and then if the opportunity presents itself, yeah, got to go. Yeah. Who had the best pickoff move during your playing time? Um, no, nah, I can't say because, you know, they, they move was a little borderline. Um, yeah. you know, could be could be close to a balk move. So I don't want to say who. Um, a couple of them still playing. So, yeah. But obviously, if me coaching, if ever I have to go against them, you definitely I'm gonna be like, hey, that's a balk move. Got to watch it. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, but like sticking with it, you said the small ball part of the game has kind of gone away, and the stealing bases isn't as valued as it used to be. Do you think? And you said you think it's coming back, but. I mean, I guess where did it go for that period? I mean, guys were so focused on hitting and stuff. Um, well, obviously, with the, you know, the success of the stolen base, obviously, you get caught stealing, could, uh, you know, run you out of this uh, inning, um, could close some holes for a hitter. So, um, like I said, it's just a matter of being smarter about it. Um, but base running as a whole, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's getting increased value. Um, you know, guys being able to advance on the bases, going first to third, scoring from second base, scoring from first base. You know, uh, those things now definitely want to emphasize that way guys are, um, you know, focusing on on the base running aspect. That way now you, those one-run games, maybe you are sneaking a second, third run across, um, you know, and having, a, I ain't going to say an easier day at the ballpark, but getting a win, you know, as opposed to a one-nothing game or, you know, those tighter games. Well, let's get into kind of your coaching experience now. How did you kind of initially get involved with wanting the coach? Because I know a lot of guys kind of retire, take time off a little bit, then come back. Uh, and, and how did the the chance with the Rainiers and the the Mariners organization kind of come about? Uh, well, my later years in playing, uh, I always found myself, you know, helping younger younger teammates, um, or or they gravitating towards me, um, and I, I always uh enjoyed it and, and, and seemed to have a knack for it. So uh, I always had an idea, you know, coaching could possibly be, you know, something on, you know, the forefront. So it wasn't like it was something that just came out of nowhere. Um, and then I, I was with the Mariners organization my last year playing. So um, they, uh, you know, liked the way I went about with, with the younger players and uh, presented to me like, hey, whenever you feel like, uh, you know, coaching or if that's an option for you, you know, give us a call and, uh, you know, we'll sit down from there. And that's pretty much how that went. What is kind of your, your day-to-day routine? Because I know on the website you're just listed as, <laughs> it's very vague, coach. So what is kind of your routine, your day-to-day um, your roles that you kind of take with the team? Um, So, you know, I'm assisted, I assist the hitting coach. So I'm in the cage with the hitters, you know, pretty much uh majority of the pre-workout. Um, and then uh, once we get out to the field for actual batting practice, I'm working with uh, the outfielders as well as the base, base runners. Um, you know, whether during BP or before BP um, and then during the game, make, uh, mainly with the outfielders, um, base running, first base coach. Um, and I still, you know, help with the hitters because obviously I'm in, in the cage with them working all day. So, uh, you know, I know uh, if they're a little, you know, out of whack or something or something's low off. Uh, and so, yeah, I know it just says extra coach, but uh, it's, a, it's a full day's uh, full day's meal there. And but um, but I'm appreciative. Get to learn and uh, experience all different things. Um, get to work side to side. Uh, you know, with uh, the manager Chris McGrone, just learning things on the manager role, um, picking his brain and you know situations and um, things like that, and just kind of learning uh, you know, everything that comes with on the coaching side and going from there. Yeah, absolutely. And and kind of being 
pretty recent from the game. Do you ever feel like grabbing a bat? I mean, you see a guy that comes into the game and this rarely happens, but if you ever see a guy that throws like 90 with like a low spin rate, you know, just everything looks fat coming out of hanging breaking balls. Do you ever just feel like going up there with a bat and hitting <laughs> or uh, wanting to grab your glove? <laughs> no, nah, nah, not so much uh, anymore. I, I said uh, maybe sometimes during the game, uh, just when I see situations that, you know, I can exploit. Um, but I, like I said, I really enjoy teaching it now. And, and mainly when the guys, when it translate into the game, uh, you know, I get, uh, it's pure joy when you see, you know, you give some information, show something and, and then it translate in the game. Uh, you know, that's, that's a great feeling right there. But uh, every now and again, I might, you know, go in the cage and take a couple swings off the tee, but, uh, no, nah, I don't miss the everyday grind of it. Yeah, so I want to talk about one of the guys you coach at the Rainers, and that's Jared Kelnick. He broke into the big leagues finally this year, but you've gotten the chance to work with him one-on-one. -on -one. What makes this kid so special? Oh, man, he's got, uh, you know, that determination, man. He got that it factor. He's going uh, gonna, to he's gonna work, his, work himself to success. Um, you know, he uh, just has that will and uh, pure drive to want to wanna be one of the best ones out there. Um, he takes information well. Um, I think just with more experience and more games uh, played, uh, you know, he's going to be a, a real good one, fun one to watch. Yeah. And I mean, unfortunately, his first round at the big league level, he hasn't performed quite to what people expect, but how have you kind of talked to him about just kind of dealing with the failures that come with the big league level and it's normal for young players to struggle. So, mm -hmm. yeah, no, it happens, you know, and, and, you know, he just, once he, he understands that and he had to explain to him that, you know, Hey, you know, they're going to get video on you. They're going to figure out game plans. They're going to try to attack you certain ways. And okay, now it's up to you to make the adjustment and, uh, you know, go from there. So um, he's, he's made his adjustments once he came back down. So, um, you know, like I say, he's going to be fun to watch. And, you know, at some point, I don't know when, because that ain't my decision, but he'll be back in the big leagues and he's going to be doing things, uh, you know, for everybody to see. Awesome. Absolutely. He'll be back for sure. Um, Back to kind of your playing career, your dad, Eric Young Sr., played in the big leagues for many different teams. And uh, we were talking about this before. You guys narrow, uh, you guys narrowly missed each other. So his final year is 2006. You were drafted in 2006. And then he came and coached for the Mets a few years after you left. So narrowly missing each other. What were some of the things that you learned from him as you kind of developed as a, as a young player yourself? Uh, well, I'm, I'm still that kid at the field uh, during the summers and watching him and watching other players, um, I guess, uh, you know, more so how to be a professional, uh, you know, uh, be a man going out there every day, you know, giving everything you got, as well as being respectful to to everybody you come across. And uh, uh, I don't know, countless number and countless advice, uh, things that, uh, I've, you know, I've taken from him that uh, he probably don't even know he probably said or, or just me watching him over the years. That I that I picked up, so um, yeah, I don't have much to say. That's, that's that's my hero. That's my dad. Yeah, and I mean, we see former big leaguer sons all over the place nowadays. But you and Tony Gwynn Jr. were kind of those first sons of '90s players to break into the league. How'd you kind of go about separating yourself from your father's own success and building your own name? Um. Well, I mean, uh, difficult for both of us because we both played similar positions to our fathers. Um. Yeah. But obviously, um. I think uh, the name definitely probably helped me get in, in the door. Yeah. But then obviously you, you have to produce, you have to play and, you know, create your own style. And, um, you know, I was able to do that over the years. And uh, I think once uh, 
people just started saying EYJ, putting it, putting the J on there. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. that's when it was like, okay, cool. You know, Eric Young Sr., Eric Young Jr. Uh, a lot of similarities in the game, but still different people. Yeah, it's wild listening to, to, to Padres broadcast, and sometimes you hear Tony Gwynn Jr. on there, and sounds just like his dad. It's wild mm-hmm. to hear their voices together. Um, so what did, what did your dad say when you, when you told him that you'd be getting into coaching? Did he say that you were, like, out of your mind? Was he happy for you? What was kind of the reaction there? No, he was happy for me. Uh, I think he, 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 never, he never said anything about it, but I think he sensed it just because he's seen how, you know, um, you know, I, I operated with the younger players and uh, just from word of mouth, I guess guy, guys, you know, across the league, you know, he know, you know, countless guys. I know countless guys uh, maybe mentioned to him, you know, hey, man, maybe your, your son probably be a good one. So when I told it to him, he was like, great, man. He's like, uh, everybody thinks you're going to be a great one. So. You know, you still got to put the work in, and now it's just a, a different focus point. Instead of the actual game, now you're getting all uh, the preparation for the game. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any memories of being in the clubhouse or, or with the players as a kid? Because I know we've seen pictures come out of Vlad Jr., you know, with his dad at the Home Run Derby and, you know, Boba Bichette with his dad. I mean, there's there's so many, as, as Jasper mentioned, there's so many – father-son duos and, and Barry Bonds always talks about going to the, the field with his dad and hanging out with Willie Mays. So what were some of the, the memories that you have from being in a big league clubhouse growing up? Man, there's a bunch. Uh, Cause I was, I think it was seven, six or seven when he debuted. So I was around for quite a bit and remember a bunch of it. And, um, you know, I know I got to bad boy a few times. Uh, that was before they put the, you have to be 18 years old rule. And then, um, you know, my dad hitting a couple home runs and meeting them at home plate, you know, that was pretty, pretty awesome. So uh, we actually got a picture, uh, you know, in my basement of us uh, high-fiving at home plate. Um, I think he was a Dodger and I was bad boy in that day. So he had a home run. So it was pretty cool. I know it's a safety concern, but they got to bring back kind of the little bat boys. I mean, that was, that was, that was the best trend in baseball. I guess Darren Baker kind of screwed it up though. And he was just yep, picked yep. by the nationals, which is, yep. see, wild. See, so it's, you know, so now, you know, definitely every time he, he's going to get that story relived, but um, I don't know. I think if you just train him a little bit, I mean, he was little at that, that point in time. And it just so happened to be a big game that he ran out there. So um, I don't think if it was as big a game, you know, it would be, you know, as big of, of a story, but um, I think if, if you train, train the bad boys, they'll, they'll be all right. Just, they don't go in this situation. So, but I, I would love to see the younger ones back out there. Cause like I said, it's fun for the, the, the kids to see the game too, from, uh, you know, up close and personal. Yeah. Technically it wasn't wrong. He was trying to get the bat. So. No, he was trying to just, just, just to happen in that situation and just wait, wait a couple, you know, wait another minute, then go get it. But no, he was just, Hey, I'm go get the bat. He swung, he hit, I go get it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so we, we just saw the draft. I mentioned Darren Baker was picked in the draft. We just saw the draft happen and, there's now only 20 rounds and you were picked in the 30th. So if you were picked this year, you probably would have to like sign as an undrafted free agent or something. Yep. Uh, and you had a, is it true that you had a pending uh, football scholarship from Villanova? Mm-hmm. I did. I signed, I signed a letter of intent to go play uh, uh, college football there as well as then, you know, walk onto the baseball team. And then uh, I got drafted when they still had the draft and follow process. And uh, I decided to go just the baseball route and went to junior college. So how did you find out 
because I mean, I they they didn't have MLB Network back then, or you know, I don't want to make you feel too old. But how did you find out that? Because not a lot of people we know how people find out when they're drafted in the first or second round, but thirtieth round, how do you find out that? Um, I was in uh my high school TV class. It was a TV production class, and um, I got a call on my cell phone from the scout uh of, of the Rockies who was who was drafting me, and um. You know, normally at that time, you can't answer your phone in, in class, but I just saw the name and told the teacher, I was like, I think I should answer this right now. I might have just been drafted. And she was like, wait, seriously? I was like, no, seriously. So she let me answer it. And then sure enough, he was like, hey, we just picked you in the 30th round. I was like, oh, all right, cool. And then hung up and told her, say, yep, I just got drafted. And so then, you know, the class went, went, went crazy and it was a cool moment right there. So. Yeah, well, once we get uh, Dan O'Dowd on this show, we're going to ask him why he made that selection in, in the 30th round, and <laughs> we'll get right. back to you on that. <laughs> I, well, it, it don't matter why, man. I'm just happy that he did. So, you know, got the opportunity, especially now that they only have 20 rounds. So I, I'm appreciative. Yeah, no, for sure. Was it hard to leave football? Um, No, no. I think the first couple years in the, the minor leagues, only because on Saturday morning, I would see a lot of my uh, old college teammates or, or guys I played against playing on college football, you know, football. But um, kind of once they started graduating and, and and not playing anymore and I was still, you know, working my way up and still going, I was like, all right, I think I made the right choice. Yeah, I got a question now that I think is on probably everyone's mind after they're just watching the All-Star game. But what's it like playing at Coors Field? I mean, especially with that huge outfield, how do you make reads and kind of like it's crazy to me that some of the balls I saw you get to back in the day, man. It's a, it's a lot of grass out there. Um, and, and obviously so, because, you know, the ball flies there. And then, um, so I, people think, uh, oh, the ball flies a lot of home runs. I was like, yeah, but there's a lot of hits too, because there's a lot of grass out there to cover. So, um, you know, usually you try to play closer to the, to the infield. That way you, you get the cheaper hits. You can get, you know, catch yeah. those, the ones over your head. Uh, you know, they either been hit pretty good or they're going to be a home run. So, um, you, you know, try to try to help the pitcher out when he makes a pitch and get get the outs that you're supposed to get. You know, the the jam shots, the the bloops. Try to make sure you catch those. Yeah, and sticking with Coors Field, uh, everyone knows the ball travels far, but are pitches affected at all? Like, does the ball break more? Do the jump on the fastball quicker? Um, sometimes uh, the the breaking ball doesn't doesn't uh, spike as, as hard as it could just because of the altitude. But that's just a pitcher knowing they gotta, you know, really command that pitch and get on top of it. If you don't, you know, get, get commanded the way you want to, yeah, it's gonna be hung right there probably for a good pitch to hit. So, um, but that, I guess that's just the challenge, you know, for the pitcher. Like, hey, how good can you command your pitch? Yeah. So I want to ask about a guy you played with, Troy Tulowitzki. I mean, how good was he? I feel like he's one of those players who we'd be talking about as an all-time great right now had he not gotten hurt all the time. Oh no, definitely. Uh, you know, one of those uh, once in a lifetime players, um, you know, fun to watch, leader in the clubhouse, um, great guy off the field. Uh, like I said, yeah, if the, the like you said, those injuries didn't didn't hit him, uh, yeah, he'll he'll be in the conversation for one of those all time time talks. So, um, but you know, for the moments that we did get him, you know, uh, thankful I was I was there when. He, when he hit the 14, 15 home runs in that one month, I mean, that was just incredible to watch. It seemed like, you know, just every time he swung the bat, it was going going out the park. So, um, yeah, that was that was incredible to watch. 
that was a really good core with with Todd Helton and Cargo and Dexter Fowler. I mean, there's a lot of characters on that team. Oh, I love that team. That was, I mean, obviously you know, my original team, and uh, you know that's going to be my you know break into the big leagues. All the guys I you know got to enjoy that with when I first got there. Um, you know, to have like I said, a special talent like Tulo there to watch him, and then have the veteran Todd, uh, you know, being there to, to 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 help us through. You know, especially the you know the younger guys. Uh, you know, he didn't always say much, but when he did speak, uh, you know, it, it came from the heart and and that he was trying to get you better. So, um, no, nah, that was a special team. Cargo and Dexter, you know, those are my two guys. Uh, you know, we all roamed outfield. So, um, you know, we still talk off the field, you know, to this day. That's yeah, awesome. Dexter, Dexter's still uh, hanging in there right now. Um, so this is a shame, and I hate to ask this question, but a lot of people remember you as the guy, and this is really unfortunate, the guy that stepped on Tim Hudson's ankle, obviously, and it was a really unfortunate play, and, and – obviously you were super concerned about what happened. What was kind of the aftermath of an event like that? Did you, did you kind of give Tim Hudson a call after the game and, and how did that go? Uh, well, fortunately uh, that, that same night, cause the at, at city field, the x-ray machine is actually right next to the home clubhouse. So when uh, they took him, he was still there, you know, getting all that done. So I was able to go uh, see him see him and his wife uh, right after the game, uh, spent a couple minutes there talking with him, you know, apologizing. Um, you know, they, uh, they, they put my mind at ease, you know, uh, you know, made me feel a lot better after the situation um, and they encouraged me to continue to, you know, play hard and go forward. So, um, you know, it, it, it was needed after, right after that, that moment. Um, and then um, I'm a real appreciative uh, of both the, you know, his wife and, and, and Tim that, uh, they didn't, they could have made the situation a lot worse. So, um, and then it worked out for him. You know, he, he ended up going, getting world series, uh, the next year, um, you know, going over there with the, with the giants. So, um, I was like, man, well, he ended up signing with the, the world champs and, and, and pitch game seven. So, um, that was, that was a storybook, uh, book for, for writing for him as well. So, um, I'm glad uh, the story for both of us is still going in a positive direction. Absolutely. And sticking with you on the Mets, I mean, you're a guy who was born in New Jersey. You go from kind of a smaller market team in Colorado to the Big Apple. What was that kind of like? I mean, just going – because baseball lives there, man. Those fans love their Mets. Mm -hmm. uh, it was different. Um, more so just from me, you know, coming back home. Um, you know, obviously being in Colorado, time, time difference, a lot of people East Coast – either just can't see the game or can't, you know, it's a late game. So they can't stay up to watch the game. So then really, they knew I was in the big leagues, but really couldn't see me play. And then once uh, I got to the Mets, you know, not only was it, Oh man, you really are in the big leagues, uh, man, you were pretty good that, you know, it turned, turned to that one. Like, man, we're seeing you, you know, all in the highlights and um, you know, then all the local channels. Cause you know, that's, that's home. So um, I was, you know, being able to go visit schools in the New York, New Jersey area, so, you know, they was able to see my face, uh, you know, at home quite, quite a bit. So that, that was quite an experience, uh, not only for me, but for my family. Um, you know, my mom had situations where, you know, people thought at her job, she was just a, a EY Junior fan because she had pictures of me, you know, at her at, at her desk. So um, they, she'd be like, oh, no, I'm not just, she's like, this, this is my family also. And these are my sons. And it was like, oh, and they're like, wait, yes, that's my son. 
And so she's having those type of moments at work where people are like, wait, your son is. Mm-hmm. So that, that was pretty cool to hear, hear from her. And when I went to her job and visited, you know, and, and saw some of her employees, you know, her coworkers, uh, that was cool too. That'd be wild if you, if you go back to your, your high school and go back into the film class. Um, or no, was that in college when you were drafted? Uh, college. Yep. College. college. I had that film class. Yep. 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 Yeah, no, that that would be awesome if you go back to your 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 college film class and you go, man, I was drafted in this room. That'd be pretty awesome. Right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, by the way, back in 2015, the Mets won the World Series. Did you get a ring? Were you able to kind of? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, we didn't. we didn't. The Mets did not win the World Series. The yeah, Royals no. won the World Series in yeah, 2015. Yeah, we did not. The Mets won the pennant in 2015. Man, yes, that, we did. That, that's we, a we, tough the World Series. We're in the World Series. So yes. were you able to kind of enjoy that run? Um, yeah, yeah, no. Well, see, I was uh with the Braves earlier that year and then yeah. they traded back for me, uh, you know, to be the base runner um going into that playoff run. So uh no, it was great. It was, you know, just being around the atmosphere, being, you know, around the, the guys, uh a lot of guys having success, um, especially with when I first got traded there. Um obviously the team wasn't that that hot. So um it, it was just special to be around and just seeing, you know, New York, uh, blue and orange. Cause you know, obviously the Yankees you know, dominated the city for, you know, for a while. Oh, that was a rough mistake on my part. I, Oh, did you get a, nope. did you, did you get a national league? Like, what is it? They give the, the, the pennant rings or whatever uh-huh. they give the, did, yep, do you yep, I did. Yep. Awesome. Well, Pretty I guess. Cool. Yeah. Pretty cool, but not it, but still. It's not, cool. yep, it's not the ring, but you know, yeah. Still, still uh, took a lot of hard work to get there, though. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, so, yeah, speaking of hard work and challenges, I mean, you lost your son, Eric Young III, in January 2017. And I think we in the media don't talk about the mental challenges that athletes face enough. But what is it like going through a family tragedy while balancing the expectations of coaches, fans, the media that you have on the field? Um, I think a lot of people uh, choose to try to hide it and bury it and then, uh, you know, end up hurting themselves or hurting others. Um, that particular year, uh, I was, I chose to be open about it. And um, just for more so, just if my teammates saw me in uh, having an emotional, you know, I was like, hey, I'm okay, you know, don't be alarmed. But uh, then it ended up being more so uh, allowing other guys to, you know, open up and, you know, some things that might've been weighing on them, trying to go out there and, and perform uh, and, and keep keeping a lot of, you know, traumas that they have buried uh it's tough it's tough because you know, obviously you don't perform um you know fans if they don't know uh the story just you know gonna let you have it telling you you suck and not knowing that you know hey you got some things going on you're human as well um you know and that uh you know you're trying to get your mind right so um me personally i say i chose i chose to be open about it and uh it helped me seeing that it helped a lot of other people as, as well. And um, I ended up, ended up having a great year that year, um, you know, on the field. So um, I think, I think more so my family and I, we all just got a lot tighter, um, communicate more and um, allow ourselves to be, to be more vulnerable so that uh, we don't have moments where, you know, people feel like time bombs. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you about the, the, uh, the players Alliance and it's, it's played a key part in, in really helping the, the inner city baseball, uh, the inner cities. And cause honestly, baseball's really losing 
some really awesome black athletes to basketball and football and it's happening each year. And there's a lot of reasons why uh, I'm assuming that there's a lot of those communities that, you know, can't whip out $250 for a glove and $400 for a bat. So how do we change this kind of as like a baseball community? How does that change? Cause I know the players Alliance has done great work. They've traveled across the country and it really was a, a topic of issue when the protests were happening last summer. So how does baseball, cause you know, back in the seventies and eighties, baseball was very diverse in that sense, but how do we get it back to where it was? Uh, just bringing more excitement back to the game. Um, I think the game has, you know, definitely been doing that marketing and more, uh, marketing the players more trying to get, you know, their faces out there so that the younger generation can uh, have players to, to relate to, to relate with and, uh, you know, want, want to go out there and, and, and play baseball, uh, having more fields accessible, um, like I said, equipment um, accessible, uh, you know, just the, the, the goal is mainly just to, you, you want a kid to just, I, I want to go out to the field, you know, go out there and play, at, you know, not worry about having to, to get that expensive glove, expensive bat, um, you know, whatever it may be, the, the, the buy-ins to play in some of these tournaments, um, you know, obviously that's going to deter so the the objective is just to get kids to want to play get giving them opportunities to be to just go out there and play and be a kid and obviously if they take it to when they get to older uh, older uh, age you know they can filter into uh, you know professional baseball Um, but obviously we definitely just want to get more kids playing getting out there having fun and uh, you know the players lines trying to make it easier for them to just get out there and, and play yeah, that's awesome, man. All right, we're going to finish up with some lighter questions. We got into a little bit of a heavier topics there, but which pitcher did you absolutely own while you were in the league? Um, well, he's a good, he's, he's, he's a buddy of mine, so I ain't going to say I owned him, but I but I had a pretty good track record against him. Uh, Aaron Harang, um, I faced him a bunch in the NL East, yeah. um, different teams, and but I always seemed to face him and uh, – and then to the point where I had to go into the manager, like, hey, I need to play. If he's if he's the pitcher, I I, I need to be in the lineup. So uh, that that was my guy. Even though I said good friends and we always enjoyed the the the, the competition amongst each other, but uh, like I said, I, I got pretty good track record. Six for sixteen against Aaron Harang. So that that's and also Cole Hamels, you racked up ten hits against him. He's another guy that uh, uh, kinda... I just I, I felt like uh. I just faced him a lot that, you know, yeah. I don't feel like I, I, I owned him. Nah, I just felt like I faced him a lot. And you stole six bases off Cole Hamels and now him. Yeah, what? I didn't, I didn't know that one. I could, I did enjoy being on base against him. <laughs> uh, so what pitcher did you, I guess, who owned you, I guess. I know that's not a flattering question to ask, but who kind of had your number? Um, Tough at bats, I should say. Probably either Lincecum or Kershaw. But I, you know, I, I got my fair share of hits on them, but they, I mean, I faced them a lot because I was in the NL West. So um, I don't think I got good track records though, but it was, yeah, good, it was good, tough at bats though, but I don't think I got good track records against them. I don't have to refer to the stats on that one. Jasper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but, but those two names are good names though. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, last one. I mean, you talked about it earlier, Carlos Gonzalez, Dexter Fowler, those are your guys, but like, which teammate do you have that just like he steps in the room? It's electric. There's just a vibe, and he's funny. He's cracking jokes. He's getting everyone going. Uh, probably Dexter. 
Yeah. Yeah, but we've known each other since uh, I was 19. He was 18 because, uh, you know, we both kind of drafted around the same time. And then we was roommates uh, all the way from rookie ball all the way until we both uh, debuted. So, um, I don't know. Even to this day, you know, we can go a little while without talking to each other. But as soon as we see each other, it'll be just like, you know, we was younger. So, uh, yeah, I'll say him. He's a big clothes guy, huh? Oh yeah, but he's always <laughs> been like that. Uh, he's been like that since uh, since we was younger. Um, I mean, true story. He did tell me when we was in rookie ball that uh, dream of his, and he's going. He's like, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna wear Jordan one day. <laughs> he told me that when we was 19, and he, he wears Jordan now. So I'm like, hey man, you did tell me that. That's awesome. Yep, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm on his clothing shop right now. I'm looking at the the. No, men's. no, yeah, no. He, he's always he's always been like that. He's always been had 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 his his own swag. Yeah, I got. I got to get a the a Fowler merch. We right. gotta. We we gotta go get that. Put that in the cart. Uh, Eric, I appreciate the time. Thanks for thanks for coming on. I know we've been trying to set this up, uh, and uh, yeah, definitely appreciate your time. Oh, my uh, pleasure, man. All right, you guys could follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Rizzocast. Follow Spotify, Apple Podcast, YouTube, wherever you find your podcast. Thank you guys for listening, and have a great day. <laughs>